Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's films are Death Stalker and your. That's Y-O-R, not like your mama. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. I was going to say, Lancelot, Guardian of Time, I've, I've heard of that movie before, but I've never seen it. I just picked it because it stars, uh, uh, God damn it. What's his name? That my brain's frying. The guy who started Beastmaster. Mark Singer. Mark Singer. Thank you. Yeah, my mortal enemy. He's your mortal enemy. Yeah, not really. Oh. Um. Uh. Sorry, I was reading something else. Um. I, the very first convention I ever went to, he was there, and I had no idea like how, like all this shit worked. So I went up, I told him how much I love Beastmaster and all this stuff. And then I uh, asked him if he'd sign my DVD for me. And he said, sure. And he was all happy and smiles. And then all of a sudden, he just deadpan looked me in the face and said, that's $20. I was like, wait, what? Like, I don't know. I just didn't think about it. Like, I just had no idea. But yeah. it's just the fact that he got super serious and, like, like you know, stared at me like he was going to stab me freaked me out and part of me was like well look the dvd only costs like 10 bucks i should just tell him to keep it <laughs> but i gave him 20 dollars <laughs> well yeah i think at that point it is on you right like yeah totally yeah but There's many, many more conventions under my belt yeah it's totally under me on me but i uh i don't know i just like to make a big thing about the story <laughs> like me and mark singer can't stand each other I do think that oftentimes those things should be better labeled considering like you need yeah. to get a lot of youth attending these types of mm-hmm. events. Yeah, because it literally was just a little tag on the table that said Mark Singer and he was standing there and there was like nothing else. The funny thing is that conventions now, if they're like, yeah, signature is only 20 bucks, you're like, oh, awesome. <laughs> that's, totally. that's the correct price for that. <laughs> Now it's like 80 bucks, and I'm like, uh, wait, what? Yeah, I've never paid for a signature. I can't bring myself to do it. 
I'll I'll pay for a signature, and typically I buy something off their table. But it's only like if there's somebody there that I really, really want to like talk to for five seconds, like like Tim Capello. Mm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, sometimes there's like lower tier stars that I try to support that I enjoy, but or miss miss quickly. Who? What? Who? Quigley. Miss Quigley? Miss Quigley. Who the fuck is Miss Quigley? Uh, I always forget her first name. Lorraine? Lorraine Quigley? Linnea Quigley. Linnea, thank you. Okay. I was so confused. <laughs> it's really she's, weird. I knew, I knew what he meant the whole time, and I was just like, I'm not going to step in here. I'll she's let you old. She's old, but she used to be really hot. Oh, I know who she is. I've seen her at conventions too. It's just That's I don't what I'm talking about. And she's really nice. And she sells bootlegs of her own stuff, which I, <laughs> I would find that fucking endlessly entertaining. <laughs> I would definitely buy a bootleg off somebody, signed or unsigned. Yeah. It was the fact that you called her Miss Quigley. <sighs> Miss Quigley. Being so formal about her name threw me off. You should be fucking formal. She's a goddamn icon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's not exaggerate her position in this universe. <laughs> you name you name one horror female icon of better standing. Jamie Lee Curtis doesn't count. Other line count? Dignify that with an answer. Um, Shawnee Smith. Do you guys want to hear a funny story? But... <laughs> okay, yeah. well maybe she does. What, what's your story? <laughs> I was just—I was just gonna tell you this one time we were like at a convention and my buddy goes up to like this booth and they're selling that whatever that TV show is called, like Red versus Blue or something like that. Yeah, it's like an animated show. I've yeah. never seen it. But my anyway. buddy was buying DVDs of it, it's and really, like it's really fucking funny. Those guys are like hilarious. so. But so those guys were there and they're like, "Oh, you want us to sign your DVDs for us?" And he, my buddy's like, "No," he's like, "It's." The dude is saying it's like free of charge, man. I'm not, I just if you're buying the DVDs, I'll just sign them for you. And my buddy just goes, "Well, no," and he walks away. <laughs> and I'm standing there, <laughs> and I just I'm like, "Why did you do that, to the poor guy? Like, let him sign your fucking DVDs. It's not going to hurt them." <laughs> it's like I don't want your stink all over my DVDs. I'm buying. <laughs> It was so weird. He, he kind of walked away, and I'm just like, no, don't leave me here. You've created a very awkward situation. <sighs> just turned to him and be like, I'm so sorry. It, it, knowing the guys from Rooster Teeth, that probably really stuck in their fucking craw, too. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know really what the guys said about it. It, it, was just, it was just this like awkward moment. <laughs> it's a group of them. There's there's a group of them. They call themselves Rooster Teeth, and they're they're really fucking funny. I didn't even know but... it was a comedy show. Hmm. Oh. I can't, dude. Just watch watch like the first season of Red versus Blue. They're only like ten minute episodes. They're really fucking funny. Maybe I will. That's my way of saying I won't, but I'm being polite about it. <laughs> <laughs> It's funnier if you have a healthy understanding of Halo. <laughs> Which I've never, I've never played a Halo game. 
All right. Well then, fuck you guys. Since we're so full of excitement, we can't stop talking. Did, did we decide? Did we decide what we're doing next week? Yes. I brought okay. the dark crystal. Noah, come on. That's right. Don't announce it till the end of the show, though. Why no? Now I got to cut this shit out because we're about ready to jump into our reviews. <laughs> you should, Fucking Noah. You should, you should just beep out the names of the movie like like you're swearing. Oh, if you have the ability to beep stuff out, beep out like 80% of what Noah says. <laughs> well, I mean, technically 80% of it is swear words. Well, that's going to suck because I'm going to have him uh, recap uh, Death Stalker and that's just going to be a bunch of beeping. <laughs> yeah, that's accurate. No, uh, you're supposed to... <laughs> Does that mean I'm supposed to recap Deathstalker Speaking right now? Speaking of, Noah, why don't you tell us uh, what Deathstalker was all about? Okay, so there's a guy. Uh, I suppose he would be an anti-hero, although that's generous. Uh, who meets an old king who asks him to do something which he has no interest in doing. Uh, he then meets a creepy little midget in a cave who uh, really wants food and to get his dingling touched. <laughs> he he then meets a uh, poor man's uh, John Snow and they adventure with his weird midriff armor uh, into the land of evil, where they attend a party and. Then save a princess, find a magic sword, find a magic amulet, and find a magic cup. And by rubbing the three magic things together, destroys them. Uh, all of this set between so much rape. <laughs> so much. Like, the reason why that plot synopsis is so fast, all the rest of the plot is rape. There's integral rape plot points. The movie, the movie opens with five guys getting ready to rape a girl. The hero saves the girl, then tries to rape her. Like, uh, uh, beg to differ. The movie I will, opens I will with, argue with the, that. The, the movie opens with a guy trying to rape a girl. Then five guys come in and take him out so that they can rape the girl. Then the hero shows up. Oh, yeah. And then he simply intimidates the girl into agreeing to sex, which is less rapey than what the other characters were doing. Yeah. Yeah, I believe what, like, oh God, I, I believe like, what oh happened God. counts as consensual in the 80s. It's probably not considered consensual today. I don't... But he sort of does the think. old, like, you and me are going to have sex. And she goes, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's not it's romantic. Almost, I, I was going to say, but there is the thing where he gets distracted and turns around, and in the two seconds, he turns around, she's like, fuck this, I don't want to get fucked. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. There is yeah. that. I mean, there's so that, but she's, not, they get to she's the... not fighting him off, so. I think she's not fighting him off because she thinks he's going to murder her. I don't know. She seemed more into it. Like I it said, the second, than, than before. the second he turns around, she runs away. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. And uh, at one point, they attend what can only be described as a rape orgy party. <laughs> At some point, well, the bad guy brings in the princess, ties her to a rock, and basically initiates a contest of everyone fight each other. The guy who wins gets to rape her. Yeah, I'm not going to argue that. 
I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not going to contradict that point. I will say I did enjoy the fight scene. That and you're forgetting a pretty important point, Noah, which is that they're all going to a uh, underground tournament. Oh, yes. To uh, determine who is most powerful to claim the throne of whatever the dude, the bad dude's name is. The yeah, the the elevator pitch under, for this under, movie is definitely what would happen if He Man fought in the Kumite. Yes, because underground uh, unsanctioned tournaments are fucking rad plot devices. Yeah, which is why I was super excited when I saw that was a plot point in this movie. <laughs> I mean it. Plot point is a strong, strong word. Yeah, that's um, there's a lot. There's a lot of heft to that this, word that does not apply movie to this movie. This movie has the level of thought put into the plot that there are three items that you have to combine in order to like save the universe. When, when it starts, two of them are already combined. So Deathstalker <laughs> only has to go get the third one and bring it to the other two. And the other two are in a location where he's more than welcome to wander in as long as he agrees to fight in this tournament. <laughs> so that's not very much of a plot. There's just things that are happening. Is what's mostly what's going on. Yeah. So, so the first thing to be said is that uh, this is a bad movie. Uh, I think it's one of those bad movies that if you have to be able to get past the fact that there's so much rape... But you do once, have to get past that. Yeah, but once if you can get past it and watch it as like a weird science experiment in a jar type thing, <laughs> it, it becomes so much more enjoyable because the entire time you're asking these questions like, who the fuck thought this was a good idea? Who, when they were making this movie, who was the guy going, you know what? We really need another rape scene. How about this time if it's a dude magically turned into a chick who gets penetrated? See, I feel like the filmmakers saw Conan and was like, oh, Conan totally would have raped all these women. We should make a movie where that happens. <laughs> I was I was going to say, many a times I have heard Beastmaster referred to as poor man's Conan. <laughs> oh, no, he's poor, man, he's poor man's He-Man. So, so what the fuck is Deathstalker? Like, destitute persons? <laughs> like, homeless? He's homeless, Conan? I don't, like... I can't believe this is gonna happen, but I'm gonna start defending this movie. Because <laughs> everything, you're, everything you're saying is correct. However, when that fighting tournament starts, and you've got these big barbarian guys doing, like, the... Like, throwing drop kicks, and there's, like, that giant montage, very much... Like the Kumite montage from uh, Bloodsport, and it is just like them cutting to all these different guys with these weird fighting styles. Except some of them get to use axes, and other guys are fighting with their hands, <laughs> and all this. I'm like, I was loving that. And then again, yeah. you get the big fight scene that happens in the castle. Now, granted, it is to determine who gets to rape that woman, but that was a Damn. great thing to watch. And like the guy with like the weird like midriff exposing armor when he starts swinging off a <laughs> chandelier for reasons I don't understand. I'm like, this is fantastic. Now, granted, you're right. There's a lot of, like, in between all that, there is, like, the eek. Oh, another rape? I wish that wasn't happening. Not, not even in between all that. The big fight scene at the rape party? They're still raping girls <laughs> while fighting! It's It's hard to say. Most of the background sex, it's hard to know how consensual it is 
it, I don't know. I, I'm a firm believer that there's only about two acts of consensual anything in this entire movie. <laughs> Uh, I would like to say that the funny thing, so so you're right about the fact that the, the fight scenes and stuff are pretty cool. Actually, in the special effects are not terrible for a really low-budget 80s movie. Okay, yeah. As long as you keep that caveat of four yeah, yeah, yeah. low-budget 80s yeah. movie. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, because, like, you know, a lot of it's, like, painted cell effects and stuff, which that's just, I mean, that's the way it was. But... Uh, the dialogue in the movie seems terrible, but I don't think it actually is. I don't think the script is that bad. It's just the acting's fucking awful. Oh, because I don't know. I think the script's bad and the acting's bad. I, I don't think so, because if you, like, if you listen to it and, uh, in your head say the same lines in a really, uh, uh, over-the-top, like, fantasy movie voice... All of a sudden, you're like, oh, no, that is something a cool character would say. That's something that He-Man would yell, you know what I mean? I'm, this is totally awesome. They're just saying it wrong. <laughs> well, to say it's something He-Man would yell, I mean, there is a scene where the guy's holding his sword over his head in this movie, and it's, like, lighting up. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're pretty much channeling he- He-Man at that point. Well, oh, and I think it's pretty literal, too, because uh, he is searching for the three pieces of power... And one of those being the sword of power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think they made any attempt to hide what they were doing. I do well, love the fact that the main character's name is, in fact, Deathstalker. And I like the fact that everybody says it. Yes, because everybody uses it very non-ironically, and they're not surprised by it at all. They're like, welcome, Deathstalker. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Come on in. Deathstalker's on his way here. I mean, if we're talking about He-Man, too, people do literally call him He-Man. That's actually... Hey, He-Man. <laughs> what's, sorry, what's the bad guy's He-Man. name in this movie? Uh, Marduk or something like that? Not uh, gonna work here anymore? <laughs> um, Because he, it seemed like his name was absurd to me, too, but now I don't remember. Is and I'm not willing to look it up because this movie doesn't justify research. But he was uh, cool, acceptable, acceptable. Munkar, Munkar. Yeah, that's, that's not as dumb as I thought it was going to be. But uh, yeah, he was he was actually cool looking too. He had that like tattoo on the side of his face and the which uh, changed sides at one point in the movie. I, <laughs> Did it? I didn't pick up on that, but I'm not surprised by it. Uh, I think they literally like reversed the film for one shot. So yeah, it kind of sucks. Hmm. So yeah, can't quiet. That's talker. I don't know, man. Again, <laughs> th- this is definitely probably one of those ones that like people were just like, we need the big fight scenes, and they just scripted just enough to go in between mm-hmm. it. And I, I don't know how to explain why they felt the need to add so much rape. I don't. <sighs> think adding rape to your movies was as controversial at the time this was made as it is today and so they just mm. thought it was okay to just have those scenes and uh, I don't agree I, again I think it was just I like well, it, he's a warrior he's going to take what he wants 
I think it's a combination of two things. I think they were going for obviously just as much exploitative nudity as possible to really you know, which sell the movie. But the the other thing is, I, I think this was coming off the heels of the gore movie in the gore book series, in which a big thing in those is the uh, slave girls, which has actually bled into like if. <laughs> Let's let's get weird and talk about BDSM culture. BDSM culture, there's an entire group, a subgroup in that that are dedicated to sex slaves based off of that series of books. Which is weird. But that's how popular it is. I mean it's a it's a thing in that subculture, and I think they were kind of capitalizing off of the popularity of it. Because Gore was basically Fifty Shades of Grey before Fifty Shades of Grey ever existed. I'm going to go ahead and take your word on all of that stuff, because none of it is anything I can comment on. But that having been said, it, it doesn't make it okay, I think is, my, is the point I would get to. What's really weird, though, is I don't think it comes from like a negative place, because they do have like strong female characters in this movie as well. Right? Like There is that warrior chick, now granted her outfit is <laughs> designed specifically to expose her breasts throughout the entire film. But with that having been said, she is a strong character who fights alongside the men characters and everything like that. So it's sort of like, like, in, like if you take her as, and you put aside the other stuff, you're like, Oh, well that's like a strong female character. I can see that what they're trying to do here is empower women. And then you add it into the rest of this movie and go like, clearly wasn't the goal. So it makes me think that there just was no goals when they made this movie, that they were just making shit. So the scene where she's sneaking through the castle and she kills number one, uh, why the fuck is she naked underneath that cloak? Why is she naked? She's always naked underneath that cloak. That's just how she rolls. Mm -hmm. I mean, before, she's wearing, like, the skimpiest of things, but there's, like, some attempt for, like, nipple coverage. 1980s uh, Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition nipple coverage, which is minimal. But still. And then that scene, she's wearing what appears to be ropes around her boobs Mm -hmm. and and the cloak. Yeah. Well, I guess it was night, right? Those are her pajamas. The stealth stealth mission. You need to be as quiet as possible, which means naked. Yeah. You can't have a sound of that material rubbing against the nipples, so you can't keep them covered up during your stealth mission. Give you away, for sure. Everyone knows this stuff. I don't know why you're making a big deal out of it. Yeah. Yeah, but... My question to you, Noah, is and? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just pointing out that it's awesome. Uh... <laughs> that doesn't sound like what you were trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, it doesn't make any sense, but that's fine. I, I mean, I'm just saying, if you are, I really like uh, movies that are exploitive in psychotically over-the-top ways, and that is what this movie is. Oh, yeah. It's exploitive violence, exploitive nudity. If it just wasn't for that thick, slathering rape on top of everything. (laughs) Yeah, and it's, well, I mean, it could have been interesting if they, I don't know, written some plot points to the movie as well, but... Yeah, yeah I the, more more to the tournament. That was that was what I was most excited about. Yeah, like 
that the key there would have been just have this movie be about if you wanted this to be a good movie, you just make it about uh, Deathstalker joining the tournament because he thinks he's going to win like the throne, and then you have the the big reveal in the movie is that the uh, the tournament is basically a trick to get all of the best competitors to kill each other off, and then the king guy there is just going to kill the winner of the tournament, and therefore he'll there'll be nobody to challenge him. That's his big his big game plan. So you just have that reveal come, and then you're then then when your tournament guys turn against the the king, and you have your big battle, and of course Deathstalker gets to kill the king guy. That's your movie. Yeah. All this stuff about him going through the woods and like because it's done so poorly is the biggest problem. Like you have him like when he meets the the guy in the weird like midriff exposing armor, he meets that guy. Like it's literally a case of like that guy is in the process of saving someone from being raped. Mm-hmm. He shows up and he like joins that fight mid mid battle. Has there's no reason for him to know who's doing what in that fight. There's no reason why he happens to select the good guy to be on the, on the team with. He, well, that guy could have been... Guy. Well, he's no, no, nobody's a good guy per se. But it's like he's the good guy for the purposes of this movie. He's mm-hmm. the secondary protagonist, if you will. Um, he has so, less rape intentions, intentions with this girl than the other group of people do. Yeah. Thus, he is the good guy in this battle. <laughs> it's, you know, you, you got to pick your sides. And, but the, but my point is that Deathstalker has no reason to suddenly step in and save this guy and totally. protect him. Yeah. It could have been, they, that battle could have been going the other way and he could have been protecting the rapist from the crowd that was trying to protect the woman. And then they just become friends for life and they're headed off to the tournament together. And it's like, but you guys just met. Like, I don't understand why you're friends for life now. That doesn't really make sense. Yeah. He is one of the uh, singular bullet points in the argument against women bitching about chainmail bikinis. Because they're like, you don't see men wearing that kind of shit. You're like, oh, yeah, let me show you Deathstalker. (laughs) (laughs) See that midriff? What the fuck is that? Who puts puts on armor that only covers up your chest and leaves your entire midriff exposed? Like, how proud of your abs do you (laughs) have to be? Your soft, soft belly meat. <laughs> no one will ever think to stab me there. No point so, in covering it up. I know you guys were wanting more tournament stuff, and yeah. the good news is there might be more because this movie has three goddamn sequels. <laughs> but I read the synopsis of all of them, and nothing says anything about more tournaments. Damn it! Son of a I bitch. would I would watch sequels to this if if it was just like. Like Karate Kid, like next year they fight in the next year's tournament. <laughs> Different <laughs> villain that shows up to try to take take away Deathstalker's title. Like I, w- I would watch that. I can I can honestly say I have not seen any of the sequels yet. But um, <laughs> well, the funny thing is another term a, yet. A different guy plays Deathstalker in parts two and three. That doesn't surprise me. And then Rick Hill comes back to play Deathstalker in part four. Yeah. No part of that surprises me anyway. So it's like the uh, the Universal Soldier series. It just, kind of just bounces around a little bit. Pretty much. I can't remember if it's the same guy in part two and three. Uh, good thing, Doug. Our buddy, Jim Wornarski, directed part two. Oh. Well, that's enticing. Because he would never exploit women the way this... Oh, oh no. No, no, no. I use the wrong thing. He would only exploit women the way this movie does. So this one thing Jim Wynorski does not do is have lots of gratuitous nudity and exploit women in his movies. 
I just want to see the boardroom where they pitched part two because everybody's like, this didn't do very well. And they're like, I'll tell you what the problem was. Don't think there was enough nudity and rape. Maybe we should bring in someone who can put in more nudity and rape. Yeah, so two different guys play Deathstalker in the next two movies. <laughs> and then Rick Hill comes back in part four to reclaim the title of Deathstalker. How is it even possible that some company could go, well, we made so much on Deathstalker that we have to continue the series even if it involves free casting? What a weird fucking world we live in. I feel like they really missed out. That happened. If they had wrangled in a Reb Brown, this could have been the best series ever. Well, do you want to know why they made sequels to this, Doug? Yes. Uh, executive producer, uncredited, Roger Corman. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but even then, though, like, when you... Uh, Simon in the budget. You have your, you have your Death Stalker 2 script in front of you, right? And then they're like, oh, the guy who plays Deathstalker won't come back for it. Wait, yeah, just make else. a diff- make just change the just <laughs> like I know it was before they could just do a word search, but just cross the word Deathstalker out with a pen and write a different name above it. <laughs> Deathwalker. And then you just Death there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't understand why I, I Do you wanna know do you, do you wanna know the best thing about Deathstalker two? Uh so Jim Morrissey, of course, directed. Yeah. Um, and apparently is credited as a writer for the story on this on part two as well. Okay, yeah. Um on IMDB, this one is labeled under the adventure, fantasy, and comedy tag. Perfect. So apparently the tone from what I read in the trivia uh goes a little little more slapsticky in part two. But no tournament, though you're telling me. It doesn't. It does not seem like it. Let's uh, here. Let's do this. Does it specifically say that there isn't a tournament? Because <laughs> I might still have to watch this. All right, here we go. Uh, let me pull up. Let me pull up the synopsis here for part two. Uh, Deathstalker helps Rena the Seer out of a few jams, and she solicits his help for a bigger task. She reveals that she is actually Princess Evie. But the evil sorcerer had her abducted and cloned in order to seize control of the kingdom. Together, they travel to the evil sorcerer's stronghold to restore the princess to her rightful position, encountering challenges along the way, both from the sorcerer's goons and the fierce Amazon women. So that's where all your boobs are going to come in. Yeah, but it does sound like they maybe are more respectful. Give the women something a little bit more respectable to do. (laughs) Sounds like the Deathstalker world has a serious problem with evil wizards. Uh, well, here we go. Here we they go. Should, they should spray for those. Well, synopsis for Deathstalker and the Warriors from Hell, aka Deathstalker Three. The thrilling, the third thrilling saga of Deathstalker pits him against wizard, the wizard, and <laughs> ruler of the Southland, Roxetine, and his band of undead warriors. Dashing, oh. dashing Deathstalker is entrusted by the beautiful princess Carissa. Apparently, just princesses all around uh, yeah. to protect an enchanted jewel, one of three, which together hold the key to the lost city of treasure, Arendor. The missing pair of gems are stashed all too safely in the heavily guarded castle 
of the wicked Troxa Troxa tree, I don't know, whatever, the wizard. His mission clear. Deathstalker rouses his troops and storms the fortress with the power of lightning. And in the faithful power battle, of lightning. And in the faithful battle, one man will survive to witness the magical secrets of Arendor. You know what I would not describe the character of Deathstalker as? Dashing. Dashing. <laughs> that is a word I would not use. Does it uh, have the uh, no, but... for four? Uh, yes. And here we go, Doug. Yeah. We may we may have to go through two more movies. But the synopsis for part four, Deathstalker 4, Match of Titans. <laughs> all right. So, fuck all this. We're doing Deathstalker 2 and Deathstalker 4 on another show. Uh, <laughs> that decision's made at this point. So, it begins as a contest of strength. The challenge of competition, competition luring fighters from far away to a hilltop castle. Deathstalker leads the combatants, but only to discover that the winners are disappearing one by one. Killed now, by an evil wizard. Now in his last and greatest battle, Deathstalker must defend his remaining comrades, his life, and his newfound love in battle against an evil army of stone warriors and wizard. The, w- the wicked queen who created them. <laughs> she, she's kind of a wizard. We yeah, all she's stone warriors. She's a lady wizard. And that one's like in the 90s. That's what's blowing my mind. Is that they're still making it in the, in the 90s. 1991. So it sounds like four has more of what we want. It's got it's got Rick Hill as Deathstalker, and it sounds like it has a tournament in it. Well, we've got I'll tell you what, we've got lots and lots of shitty Conan ripoffs to <laughs> team up with those movies so I can make it happen. Well the good thing is it doesn't seem like we have to watch these in any particular order. <laughs> they don't really like blend into each other. You're gonna miss the important character growth, <laughs> played by two different actors. You're gonna you're gonna start by watching the fourth movie and be like, "Man, he is so much less rapey than the first movie." When did he become so much less rapey? <laughs> less rapey, and I would almost say more dashing. What happened? So through this conversation, I think I actually like this movie more than what I did oh, when I watching it. <laughs> this is definitely the kind of movie that would have been perfect if we all could watch movies together. Yeah. Yes. Because like, we would have just been talking to each other about how shitty the movie was during all the shitty parts, and then when the fights broke out, we could just stop and watch it. Because it is just, it is literally, like, I bet you, I didn't look into this, but I bet you like half those guys are like pro wrestlers or something that they got to play all the weird barbarian warrior guys. Cause they're all just in there like fighting for no reason. And they're like, some of the moves they pull are pretty fun to watch. Uh, I believe there was a piece of trivia about this. Let me uh, pull it up here. Okay, well, while you're doing that, I'll pose a question to Noah. Cause I, Noah, can you explain the pig man to me, please? Uh, I think it's supposed to be like uh, maybe an orc of some kind. I I will tell you what, this movie needs 500% more Pigman. Oh, had there been more Pigman, I'd have fewer questions about why there was one Pigman in the middle of this movie. Because everybody else seemed very, very human. Maybe, you know, some some magic here and there. But I was going to say the group group of uh, homeless rape vagrants at the beginning. I thought that they were wearing some facial prosthetics and stuff, and I think they weren't supposed to be entirely human. Okay. 
But they were just so poorly done that I didn't notice that. They were just so poorly done that you can't tell that they're supposed to be something other than human. I see. Now, in that opening scene, when all these guys... And I did notice they had some prosthetics on. I just thought they were trying to make them look... Not not guys. Rape vagrants. (laughs) I liked the part of that... What I liked most about that opening scene was not the rape, because that doesn't appeal to me, but there was, like, a, a, a shot that they had, like, looking up into this, like... There's like a hole through the brush and they were all jumping down through it. And they just showed that shot. They showed each one of those guys come down individually and they just held that shot forever. And I thought that that was just maybe the worst cinematography I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's like, if you're going to show the guys jump through a hole, the same, like, like five, six times in a row, you got to move your camera a little or show one of them jumping in from the top and then cut to another guy landing down at the bottom or something, <laughs> especially when they all look the same. Cause I, first I thought they were just looping the tape. Yeah. For, I'll tell you what, and for, for as cheap and garbagey as, as parts of this movie are, there's actually quite a few pretty cool set pieces. Yeah. And they clearly didn't skimp on, you know, extras and costumes and stuff. So why the fuck did they do those weird opening credits that were just... Those, I don't know. The, the homeless rape vagrants, like, jumping around, like, ha, 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 let's run to the woods. Hey, a lady, let's put it in there. <laughs> oh, no, we're dead. Now he's going to put it in there. <laughs> um, so I thought I read something about wrestlers on Deathstalker. Uh, but the only wrestling trivia for Deathstalker was that the two girls that were mud wrestling were sisters. Yeah. Okay, well that's not, it's a little that's, awkward. Yeah, <laughs> that's not that's not. I don't know if that's really trivia. Is that and they just... were and they were pretty much nude, so that's extra gross. Yeah, uh, and the jumping men in the opening scene you were just talking about yeah. were members of a local mime group. <laughs> Makes sense. They were annoying enough to be mimes. Great mimes. Uh, see, Rick Hill wore a wig, which is a giant no duh. You wore a wig. That wasn't his all. That's not trivia. Flowing locks. Uh, and the DVD box art for Deathstalker, which we all sort of know, yeah. is done by the same artist that did the DVD box art for National Lampoon's European Vacation. Actually makes a lot of sense to me when you say it like that. They look a lot alike. <laughs> now, I, looks, I mean, it I, looks like a Franzetta. It's really well done. Yeah. Now, I swore there was like some wrestling trivia. Turns out I was looking ahead at trivia on Deathstalker 2, and it says the extras of the barroom brawl set piece were professional wrestlers from the World Federation of Argentina Wrestling. Yeah. Oh, these are the Deathstalker series is made. Is the U.S. Argentine co-production, which is a sign of quality filmmaking when you think about it, because you can yes. bring in the aspects of the filmmaking from different cultures and sort of merge them to get something unique and different like this. And interesting fact that uh, I totally did this on accident. Whenever I, you know, threw these, smashed these two together, uh, both have strong uh, Argentinian connections. Hmm. Uh, both I, also released in 1983, which was yeah. My birth year was <laughs> awesome. I would just like to point that out. 
for everybody. I was born in 1983, and every time I watch something, I'm like, this is batshit crazy. When was this made? My birthday. <laughs> yeah, that actually might kind of explain a lot. Right. I, do, I feel like I do, people are you know me in. I want to take a minute here and apologize to the producers of this film because I, in trying to find the information that you were talking about the wrestlers, I just stumbled across the box office and budget numbers. Yeah. Budget of four hundred and fifty-seven thousand. Box office of over eleven million. Ooh! No fucking wonder they made more of these. I would too. I was going to say we were kind of harping on how this made any money, but I mean, the numbers I mean, don't lie. Jesus. That's a huge success. Eleven million? Nine hundred eleven million nine hundred and nineteen thousand two hundred and fifty bucks. It's almost twelve million. That's crazy. Maybe maybe it had uh hit on pretty hard in uh, Europe. It says USA. Uh, according this uh, is on USA? Wikipedia, so it says Wikipedia specifically. Because I could see Italy really getting into this movie. Yeah. Maybe you don't know what the relationship's like between Italy and Argentina though, they might not get along. <laughs> but I mean it was 1983 I guess it could have ran for like three years in New York or something at one of those grindhouse theaters that's a good yeah. point hmm. ran right up until Wernerski brought in his sequel and dumped it on top of it four years later yeah uh, so I guess for me I, I would this would be a big recommend for me I had a great time watching it <laughs> <laughs> Which I was not looking forward to because Noah just kept saying rape over and over again. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. I, I, I do think yeah, Noah... Did I lie? You're not wrong, but you might be overstating the... Uh, how do I put it? Severity? The severity of the rape. Like, Yes, on, on a sheer numbers basis, there's a lot of rapes in this movie. None of them are graphic. Most of I'm them not- are... Most of many, many of them are interrupted before penetration occurs, which I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. I'm, at that point, I'm, I'm not saying there is more actual rape in this movie than any other movie. I'm saying this movie has a consistent weird rape vibe that kind of permeates every social interaction through the entire movie. I don't know if you should use the word permeate when talking about rape. Exactly. <laughs> All right, this is weird. I'm oh. just saying, if this if this movie is a great big delicious bagel, it has a big old blob of rapey cream cheese smeared all over the top of it. <laughs> Still a good bagel. Cream cheese is a little weird. <laughs> I have no. How am I? Out? The rest of us have to figure a way to respond after you talk. (laughs) (laughs) But for me, also recommend is with a strong trigger warning. Not usually a trigger warning person, but this one earns it. Uh, I think we're three for three on recommending this movie. I I mean, you got to know what you're going into, and you're in it just to watch the big guys dressed up as barbarians fighting. And there's enough of that that goes on that. This is a recommend. It's there is no story. There is a little too much rape, but there's plenty of like that fun '80s style nudity, and there's just guys hitting each other with axes and shit. That's fun to watch. <laughs> I enjoyed it. True, Don't like, true. and you know the beauty of, of recommending a movie like this is like it's. I think it's on. This is the one that was on YouTube. Yeah, in its entirety, and you 
you can throw it on. You don't really have to pay attention. You don't have to listen. You could almost watch it on mute. Get still get the same experience. Um, so yeah, as a background movie, just to watch the guys fight it out, this could be a fun watch. Great. That that surprises me so much. I can't believe Doug liked this movie. <laughs> I have a little bit of a soft spot for these like barbarians, like in their loincloths, like fist fighting type movies. Cause I watched a lot of them when I was younger and I haven't seen like any of them since other than the Conan ones, I guess. But I was just, oh. I was, I was thoroughly expecting to get chewed out for this. one. <laughs> Holy shit. What? So I was just looking to see if uh Deathstalker two is up on YouTube, which it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just jumped randomly to about 49 minutes in mm-hmm. uh, and there's a dude fighting a giant woman wrestler who was <laughs> the woman wrestler on every TV show when they had women wrestlers like awesome. Mary the Children and stuff like that giant redhead oh yeah yeah uh, um, he's fighting her in a wrestling in an old timey wrestling ring with actual ropes as the ropes outstanding so yeah I'm Add it to the list. I'm sold. Oh. Yeah, you guys do understand. I already added Deathstalker two to the list when you told me you directed it, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's, if you if you guys check the drive right now, it's there. It's on the list. <laughs> uh, maybe do sword and sorcery with it. I was we'll just say, we'll just do Deathstalker two and Deathstalker four. <laughs> oh, so this guy's supposed to be Deathstalker. He looks absolutely nothing like the guy from the first one. That's fine. <laughs> he looks more like the midriff guy. That's weird. <laughs> All right. Well, you can look forward to Deathstalker 2 coming at some point, uh, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So next up, we decided to team it up with a movie I've been wanting to watch forever. Um, yeah. Because of the 42nd Street Forever uh, DVDs with all the trailers, this was on there. That is your the hunter from the future, uh, which appears to be set like in a uh, prehistoric time. Um, there's people who look very much like the stereotypical like caveman type people, and then there's like regular humans also running around in like furs and stuff. Um, and then enters your the title hunter from the future who uh, comes and kills a Triceratops for whatever reason. Um, in, in what is quite possibly the most magnificent wig I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so he immediately uh, sort of takes a shining to uh, this uh, I don't know, lady cave person. Who, who must be pointed out, tribe of cavemen, filthy matted hair, dirty cavemen, Mm-hmm. Filthy matted hair, dirty cave children, filthy matted hair, dirty cave women, and then her in her sexy midriff cloth with <laughs> perfect permed eighties hair. Yes, she's she's the only one in the, in the village that has access to a shower and a hairdresser. <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, so he starts hanging out with her and this other older guy. In uh, like I don't know, fucking saber tooth tiger uh, singlet. Um, so he has like this medallion 
that uh, says he's not sure where he got it from. He's had it his entire life. Um, and we should point out everybody else is like dark brunette, and of course yours like like bright blonde hair. Yeah. Uh, super in shape when nobody else is. Um, played by Captain America himself, Red Brown. My fucking hero. <laughs> Uh, so they are just sort of running around having uh, prehistoric adventures and then uh, they wander across this other group who are suddenly being attacked by lasers and uh, they say it's possibly coming from this weird box that they found you skipped uh, the whole middle bit <laughs> oh who cares none of that shit's a your, your versus dinosaurs your versus Neanderthals. Your versus lasers. Okay. <laughs> Wait, you forgot about the your versus the uh, weird mummy people in the desert. Oh yeah, your versus mummy people. Yeah. Oh, I might have been looking at Facebook at that time. <laughs> that's plausible. Um, <laughs> that's upsetting because this movie deserves your full of fucking attention. Oh, I think I think this is the one we're going to disagree on here. No. <laughs> um. So then, I don't know, I guess, spoiler, we find out that uh, there's this other island where we find out that they're actually, like, living in the future, and there was some sort of nuclear incident, and the people on this island, full of high-tech machinery, believe, uh, due to their ruler, the Overlord, that the rest of humanity was wiped out, and that... Everything was basically just a radiation desert outside of their island. Um, and then the big twist is that Yor is actually from this this island of technology. But apparently his dad was exiled and took his son with him. And then when they got to the mainland, their craft was shot down. Something or another. So, of course, Yor goes and tries to figure out his... Uh, his origins and there's a giant battle with this overlord guy and then tons of lasers and future tech and all that and, garbage and flagrant flagrant ripoff of Darth Vader robots yes yeah um, I was going to ask you guys whether you thought the fact that the second half of the movie is a giant Star Wars ripoff was a coincidence or not or if it was just <laughs> those were all individual like the fact that it's like the comes up, joins the rebellious force, leads him against the Darth Vader's. <laughs> oh, so you're just gonna do Star Wars for the last forty minutes of the movie? Then that's what's gonna happen. And I don't know. I can't you... wait till the sequel when they reveal that that girl's been his sister the whole time. <laughs> in the uh, in the movie, do they ever actually specifically say if it's Atlantis? No. Okay, so. In the comic book, it's Atlantis. That's the whole thing. It's a comic book? Uh, so, th- I was talking about the Argentinian thing. So, You're the you're the Hunter from the Future is based off of a comic book character, You're the Hunter, by the fan-fucking-tastic artist, uh, Jose uh, Zanato. Or Juan. Uh-huh. Sorry, Juan Zanato. Who's fucking amazing. Like, and, and a lot of people aren't familiar with his work because he didn't do much shit in English, but he worked for like a Scorpio magazine and uh, he did the, the comic uh, Babara and 
a bunch of other stuff. If if anybody's into art that's listening, look look up Juan Zanato and just fucking be amazed because his artwork is amazing. And yeah. the the uh, I'm trying to remember what the original name was. It's like Hondo, Hondo de Casador or something like that is the uh, original H- name of your Hanga El Casador. Yeah, yeah, Hanga El Casador. In which eventually it got changed to your once he got his own book and stuff. But like I said, the art, the artwork is amazing. So even if you can't read it, it's still worth checking it out. So as a as a follow up question, then is some of the cool visuals from this movie do they relate directly back to the comic book? Because there's some neat stuff here with like the flaming swords in the desert, and <laughs> the, just the whole visuals of like the high tech labs with like guys dressed as barbarians running around through them and stuff yeah i wonder if some of that cool visual stuff leads directly back to the comics yeah Yeah, absolutely and the the comic books are the same basic plot line so your is an atlantean who has ended up in basically caveman world running around with his axe fucking up dinosaurs and robots and yeah now in the comics then is it the same magic axe that he has in this movie where you don't actually have to hit people with it you just swing it about a foot and a half from their head and they go <laughs> back as if they got hit I d- I, knowing, <laughs> knowing the art style of Juan I would say it would most definitely show the impacts he, he liked to draw naked women in violence hmm. well, good for him where's all the naked women in this movie I don't, I don't know. So that's the one thing that I feel like they lost really badly in translation besides the fact that the comic book is amazing and this movie is uh, amazing in a whole different bad way. <laughs> Use that word amazing, but I don't think you think it, it means what you think it means. I don't know. I, th- I think you guys are crazy. As, as far as bad movies that cross that line so far that they become enjoyable... I think your the hunter is top five. It deserves to be like that's a crazy. on on a pedestal of bad movie awesomeness. Oh, see, here's the problem with your hunter from the future. First of all, it shouldn't be called that because you should go into it blind, not knowing that when they get to that island, it's just going to be the future. This movie would be way more fun if you didn't know that going in. But then how uh, would they make trailers with Darth Vader shooting laser guns? At well, you just don't make those trailers. You go with the original Italian title, which is the world of yore, and then you just make better posters and trailers that don't show you any of that. Because <laughs> this movie would be amazing if that was a surprise when it happens. <laughs> It'd be fantastic. But yeah. more, important, more importantly, the reason this movie doesn't so bad it's good is because there are too many almost good things in it. Like, that fight scene when he's using the sword that's on fire to, like, fight off those weird mummy guys, it's like, yeah, like, that looks pretty cool. And the fight scene's not bad. There is a weird moment where he throws a guy into water and then all the water catches fire, and that doesn't make any sense because it's already been... We've already been told that they're drinking that water. So I don't know what they're drinking that catches fire when you throw a guy on fire into it, but... Then you get that gets you thinking like, I wonder why this fight's happening. And there's no answer to that question. (laughs) Like your literally just spends the first 
45 minutes of this movie traveling from village to village and then everything how it just goes shows up here there's a big fight a lot of people are killed your saves the prettiest girl he can find they leave together gets to the next town same thing happens <laughs> gets to the next town same thing happens we should like, we should also mention that he takes the prettiest girl and then the original girl that he saved at the beginning gets jealous and starts attacking one of them with a knife. And then after she is killed, not by her, yours is like, yeah, I mean, I know you tried to stab her and shit, but, you know, it's cool. We can still yeah. get together. I was going to have two wives, but since one of them's dead, now I'm loyal to my only other wife. <laughs> I didn't know how upset you'd get if I took a second wife. So You guys keep saying all this stuff like it's a bad thing. <laughs> it's yeah, I don't know. The scene, the the opening, basically the opening scene of your fighting the Triceratops is one of the greatest things ever to be put on film. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that Triceratops can barely move, and it's clearly on rollers, and he's just chopping it with an axe, and then like diving over its its fucking horns for no reason. He's like doing yeah, that, like dives and rolls and then stabs it and then dives and rolls and then stabs it. First of all, stop calling it a triceratops. It's a stegoceratops, which is a crossbreed of stegosaurus and triceratops. I looked this Apologies. up. I <laughs> because I'm like, I don't the baby looks like a stegosaurus, but the grown up one looks like a triceratops. What's going on there? So I looked it up. And sure enough there is an answer. Um but what's what's more important is that yes, that scene's fun to watch. The problem is, it's like it comes. Then there's the big fight scene with the Neanderthals, which is not good, and even less sensical, including the fact that they all live in this like cavern, which like floods if you pull a rock out from a particular like dam. But they all choose to live isn't, there anyway. Isn't that every cavern? No, but <laughs> I don't know. Like we skipped over the fact that this whole opening scene starts at like barbarian Thanksgiving, where they're giving thanks in the traditional way by holding their children up over their heads, and then it's like when Yor saves these people, they're killing the baby, like uh, Stegoceratops. They're killing it like for Thanksgiving dinner. That's like their turkey. That's yeah. some weird shit going on, and it. Hey, don't don't hate on people for eating no baby stegoceratops. Maybe that was the veal of uh, post nuclear future past times. That's a solid point, but <laughs> it's just it's it's weird, and it's the problem is at no point do I think that they know they're making a weird movie. Like, I think that they think that when, like, the, whoever the writers and directors are, they think that when the people hold their children up over their heads as a way of giving thanks, that we're all going to go, like, ooh, they're establishing this culture. And then that way we'll all be shocked when that culture is completely wiped out, like 30 seconds later. And it's like, no, no, all you did there was kind of show a bunch of weird shit happening for the sake of showing weird shit happening. And it wasn't quite interesting enough to hold my attention. Thank God Yor showed up and fought that 
weird animal that I have to look up the name of because it's otherwise this would have been just killing me to watch this. I f- I feel like the second you looked something up while watching this movie, you have completely lost the point of this movie. <laughs> well, that, no, but but knowing that I was right about the the, the nature of that animal has actually like made me feel better about it because <laughs> that again it, that particular scene I actually did like. Okay. Um, I have breaking news. Uh, when you two <laughs> were talking about how much you enjoyed this horrible movie, um, I've discovered that apparently Deathstalker and the Warriors from Hell, aka Deathstalker 3, was done on an episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Okay. So, nice. so, we might lose, so we might just lose Brian for the remainder of the And it's on YouTube and fall, the so. He's just watching that now. I'm just I'm just letting everybody know. Right. <laughs> stay stay in the moment, Brian. We're talking about your. All right, we'll continue on. Uh, I will say your also has one thing that we have been sorely lacking from most of the movies we've reviewed on this show: ridiculously sweet theme song. It's... I will give you credit for the theme song. Yours world, because as always, because this I, I do believe this was an Italian movie. But as as with all things made that way, everything has to be a fucking ripoff. So they went and they were like, find me poor man Freddie Mercury. We we need the shitty knockoff of the Flash theme song. It, that's where the tune came from. It is a shitty knockoff of the Flash. Yeah, yeah it's a shitty knockoff of Flash Gordon. It's been bugging me the whole time. I'm like, why do I know that tune? It's like it's a ripoff of something, and I couldn't figure out what. Yeah, because it, it sounds like shitty Queen. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm really saddened that you guys did not enjoy this movie more because I, man, this uh, one's so like fucking Doug, fun. Doug somewhat enjoyed it. I was. It, I enjoyed moments of it, and I think that there's some potential here. But overall, like, can I recommend that people watch this? Is this something where I would like tell our listeners, like, yeah, no, you guys should watch this; you'll all enjoy it. No, like, there's just, I don't know. Like this movie, this again, this movie should have been. It should have been a surprise when he, when it was revealed that this whole world is not. Like, you don't have a twist where you reveal the whole world is not what it seems, and reveal that twist in the title of your movie. Once, once again, I feel like you're talking about plot points and you're the hunter. <laughs> oh, Don't sweet. do that. Oh, wait. No, that's not, that's not it. <laughs> All right. But again, though, like this movie, explain to me, like, okay, so first of all, the whole journey starts. And this is not that dissimilar from Deathstalker, where the journey literally starts because somebody goes, hey, what's that thing around your neck? And Yorg goes, oh. You're right, I should go on an adventure. Like, <laughs> and, and then literally, like, one of the other guys goes, I heard of a chick once that wears a similar necklace. Well, that's where I'll start my adventure then. Just let me kill hundreds of Neanderthals first, and then I'll head up beyond my way. <laughs> and it's... When he gets to that weird desert thing, there's, like, there's people under ice for some reason. That's never addressed again. He meets up with that girl. What? They're they're Atlanteans. They're people from the the future island. 
why are they under ice? Some kind of weird future technology magic thingy. I don't know if I agree with that. I, but you can <laughs> you can disagree with it all you want. I mean, that's what it is. Well, I just I this movie's so fucking weird. Um, I got really excited because it looked like they they reused that scene of the pig man tearing that dude's arm off and beating the other guy with it. They reuse that in Deathstalker 3. No, they use that one in Deathstalker 4. They reuse it. Oh, really? Yeah, they, they pull a trauma and just reuse that whole scene, it looks like, from that brawl in the, uh, in the bar. Uh, so we do need to flash back to that. Uh, the scene of Pigman ripping off that guy's arm and then beating another guy with it is fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Everything involving Pigman like, was great. I was like, did they bring Pigman back? And then it turns out, like, oh, no, that's that's still original Pigman. They just completely reused that scene. Pigman. Pigman bear. <clears throat> I don't know. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a little saddened that you guys did not thoroughly enjoy your. I really thought your was going to be the one you guys would get a kick out of and that I would get yelled at about Deathstalker. Hmm. Well, I think Deathstalker life. knew what it was more than Yor did. I think Yor was confused, and they thought they were making a movie when they made Yor. And uh, I don't think that's a fair description of what happened. I but know. I also thought, like, I don't know. Can you rip off Conan and then turn around and rip off Star Wars in the same movie? Is that ever going to work? There might That might just have been overly I'll, ambitious on their I'll, part. I'll tell you what. They didn't. They didn't they do did. it. They didn't do it well. <laughs> I love how every week the argument ends up breaking down to, look, this is a bad movie, but one of us likes it for being a bad movie, and one of us doesn't. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So, is it a recommend for you guys? That's that's the question at the end of the day, because I'm I'm assuming it sounds like a no for both of you. Uh. I would recommend it if you could actually watch it with your friends and kind of have fun while watching it. I think me watching Deathstalker and then immediately turning on your did not help your whatsoever. Yeah, I think this movie is, again, it'd be great. In the old days when you would see a clip of a movie, if you saw a clip of him fighting that Stegoceratera, that fucking weird dinosaur um, and you just saw that clip and you're like oh I wonder what that's from but then you could never find the movie that's that's when this movie would be at it's best <laughs> it's like that'd be amazing if the, if you could just see the clips and in your mind fill in the rest of the movie you, you'd come up with something better than what they actually well, did. I think that's the problem I had because I loved that trailer so much and I seriously thought it was going to be more uh like caveman versus future people like that's in there but that's like the last fourth of the movie and i thought maybe that was going to be like the whole movie so i was excited but that's not what it was i I accept that that would disappoint you if you've seen the trailer now there there is one amazing thing about this film which we've have failed to mention which is when they're explaining to your his like whole history and they flash back, and just so you know that the kid in the video is the same as is your as a child. They do put they. I think it's just the same wig. They just take it off the adult actor and put it on a child actor. <laughs> and 
it's amazing because then when they do the reveal they're like and that's you as a child and it's like fucking obviously two people aren't going to have that hair (laughs) I don't know like I said for, for me this combines a lot of things that I like a lot together into one thing which makes it even better so it's a bad movie which I like it's it's pulpy as shit, which I like. I mean, this this is like uh, poor man's Robert E. Howard, <laughs> like, and it it kind of gives me all the stuff I like about reading like an Adam Strange comic or, you know, anything anything along those lines. It's so it fucking works for me. Just it's fun. It's silly. It's stupid. Uh, the special effects are are just good enough where they're pathetic. Does that make sense? Like Oh, they're they're not they're, terrible for low budget nineteen eighty three like Italian filmmaking. Well that's what I'm saying. I think I think the problem is they're they're so well done that you see all the seams, if that makes sense. Like yeah. Like the Triceratops, man, they put a lot of fucking work into making a tri- a full big Triceratops that could like move and wag its tail and shit. But in the which process I- of doing all that, you've got a big Triceratops on a wheeling cart. Yeah, which I actually enjoyed that monster um, when he's like attacking it and stuff. And when he hits it, it actually bleeds and stuff. I'm like, oh, that's actually pretty good. But then, like, the f- weird flying bat thing that's very obviously just a kite. Oh, yeah. That oh, was horrible. God. No, come on. Where we he, freaking, he hits it, and it falls out of the sky, like, with its wings still fully extended. It just drops <laughs> yeah, down. Because somebody just took the toy and just dropped it. <laughs> they just filmed that <laughs> and acted like it was a bird falling. But then and the then best he, part of that is he kills it just so that he can use it as a glider. He uses the body of the dead tricer, or what is it, like a pterodactyl or a bird? It's, it's like a cross between a pterodactyl and a bat. Sure, so then he uses the the dead body of that as a glider to glide into battle with the Neanderthals. I forgot about that. That's what I'm saying, and how how can you not like see that and not just stand up and clap off your couch, just yes! <laughs> this is this is everything I wanted. Because I just got done watching your that at least had a shit ton of boobs in it. You mean Deathstalker? Or Deathstalker. Yeah, I think the problem with your is it has too much potential to be a good movie. And that's where, like, Deathstalker never had anything close to that. So it was just fun to watch. With your, I keep thinking, like, they think they're making a real movie with a plot and everything. And they probably think, like, I care whether Yor ends up with this brunette girl at the end, and that's why they took the time to give her a shower and a perm. The one that tried to stab his other wife? Yeah, her. Yeah. Yeah. But then he learned his lesson. Like, that's maybe that's the character development of Yor. <laughs> he learns his lesson, so when he gets to, the, like, the third village, the, like, weird, like, spring break resort on the beach that they end up with at the end, and he's, like, then... He's offered a third wife, and he's like, "Nope, better not take that one. I don't want her to get stabbed again." Like, like I said, I think this is one of the ones that it's such a complete fucking train wreck that it's just it's awesome. I mean, it's kind of it falls into the same category that things like Troll Two in the Room and Manos Hands of Fate. You know, they're they're so bad that they're just fucking amazing. <laughs> 
just all these little and all the little things. I know you guys are like, ah, well, this one part was good, but they're so good. Fighting the tr- the ridiculous Triceratops, so good. Killing the Bat Dactyl and then hand climbing into the fucking cave, so good. I did like that when they needed him to meet new characters. They just reused the concept of care of woman being attacked by a dinosaur, and Yor has to come in and save her because exactly. it, it happens again later in the movie, and it's just like that. You can't just do that twice, can you? <laughs> but I guess you can. And I had never thought of it before, but I wonder if Turok the Dinosaur Hunter was basically a ripoff of Yor too. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, Turok started enough. off as a, uh, as a video game. Yeah. I don't remember if it was a video game first or a comic book first. I don't know. Who knows? doesn't matter. Does. Anyways... Apparently, not a recommend for these two. Big recommend for me. Yours awesome. Holy shit. The uh, Scream Factory uh, double feature Blu-ray of Deathstalker and Deathstalker <laughs> 2 is going for $96 on Amazon. Jesus. Scream Factory release of Deathstalker and Deathstalker 2? Yeah. Double feature. Hell yes. But it's, like I said, it's out of print, so you gotta pay $96 for it now. Damn it. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod, or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. So, did you guys watch anything this week? Uh, oh, you want to go first? I watched a couple things. Is it going to be funny that your first week of work, you actually watched more than you did in the last couple of weeks you were unemployed? I most certainly did not. Nobody watched a little more than what he watched when he was unemployed. <laughs> it's just not even a plausible option. Uh, I watched uh, some more Star Trek because I'm still burning through the original series. Man, there's a lot of fucking episodes of the original series. <laughs> you wouldn't think so. It's only three seasons. I think I'm yeah. still in the first season. I'm like, episode fucking 30. Yeah, seasons used to be really long. And then they cut down to 22 episodes. And I'm actually happy now they're cutting that down to like about 15 or 16, it seems like. Yeah. So then I watched the four episodes of the Netflix series, The Toys That Made Us. Oh, yeah. Uh, fucking amazing. If If you're into toys and nerd shit, like... It's awesome. Even the Barbie episode was fucking awesome. I've heard really good things about that. Yeah, it's it's really cool because it it gives you all the like CD details about uh, you know the creators and stuff and all the the backroom fucked up shit that they did to each other and how He Man was basically an entire product of one man bullshitting his way through business meetings. <laughs> I mean, it really is like the He-Man comic exists because he went to sell He-Man to one of the stores and they were like, yeah, but kids like Star Wars because they know the story. Nobody knows what the fuck these He-Man guys are. And he goes, oh, you didn't know? We're having Marvel Comics do a 
a comic book that's going to be sold with the toy. And so they walk out of the meeting, and they're like, I didn't know about that. And he goes, neither did I. And so they go to Marvel Comics, and they sign up for that. And then they go to Toys R Us, and they're like, hey, check out our comic book. And Toys R Us is like, what the fuck? We don't give a shit about your comic book. That's dumb. And they go, oh, we didn't tell you? There's going to be a cartoon series. <laughs> and so they left the meeting and went to Filmation and had Filmation do the cartoon series. Whatever works, I guess. Yeah, it's just it's really cool. And uh, the guy who owned a bunch of like the patents for uh, Barbie stuff became a ultra billionaire from his uh, percentage share that he was supposed to get. And the what is it, Mattel? I think it's Mattel that owns Barbie. Yeah. Decided that he was making way too fucking much money, and they just stopped paying just illegally. They were like, "We're not going to give you your commission." Anymore. And basically made him destitute, and he lost his house, and he basically fucking lost everything. And eventually, he won in court, but by then he was like destroyed. Mm. Well, that's a happy episode. They're they're all all right because even with all the sad shit, there's enough cool, crazy shit going on that you're like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> But if even if you just want to watch a specific episode, first episodes Barbie, or not Barbie, uh, Star Wars, then Barbie, then GI Joe, then He Man. If I remember right, I might have the He Man and GI Joe backwards. But all really fucking cool. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of people talking about it. I haven't jumped in yet. Uh, and then with my movie watching, I watched uh, The Last Man on Earth, uh, the Vincent Price movie. Which is amazing. Which which is fucking amazing. Yeah. And and then I was like, yeah, I love that story. I'm going to watch The Omega Man. So I watched The Omega Man. <laughs> <laughs> then I was like, yeah, that's totally different, but it's still awesome. And then I was like, I'm going to watch funny. a shitty Will Smith one. <laughs> I've still never seen the Omega Man. It's been on my list. I just haven't watched it yet. Yeah, me oh, we should we should throw it on the list. And then the Will Smith one, I give Will Smith credit because I think he actually did a good job. Oh, it's not his fault. Um, by himself at the beginning of the movie, it's when other people showed up in the movie that the movie took yeah. a gigantic nosedive. The weird, the weird changes they made to the the uh, quote fingers vampires. Yeah. That that was all really weird, and the fact that they, you know, I I am legend is kind of the great book it is because it's got a fantastic fucking ending, mm-hmm. and the Last Man on Earth and Omega Man both do an okay twist on it. You know what I mean? Like they don't, yeah, yeah. follow it precisely exactly, but it's it's good enough. And then that Will Smith one takes a big greasy shit on the ending. Yeah. No, the, the problem with that Will Smith version is just that they wanted to make a modern action that'll appeal to a wide audience, and that story is just never going to do that. It mm-hmm. should have been, you know, reduce the budget, get a different actor or whatever in there. Again, no, no problem with Will Smith as his performance, but just. His paycheck would be too much if you wanted to do it for lesser budget. Yeah. So, I don't know. That was, I remember watching that movie. That, so, I saw it, I think, 
was like maybe the second time I watched it, and I was like iffy on it the first time, but I happened to fall asleep, and so I watched it in two parts the second time I saw it, and the first, like I watched the first half and basically fell asleep right where he's trying to commit suicide on the mm-hmm. pier or whatever. Yeah, and I'm like. I don't know what my problem was with the movie. Like I was super excited to watch the second half and I was like, that is like an amazing movie. And then I watched the second half and go, Oh, that's why I was so iffy on it that first time. Like it's really, really fucked it up. And then the, when the, the DVDs and Blu-rays and shit came out for it, everybody was trying to tell me and they were like, Oh, well, you know, there's an alternate ending. <laughs> on the Blu-ray, that's that's yeah. way better and way truer to the books. And I was like, "Oh, okay, well, I'll check that out. Maybe that's a production thing." And they fucked it up. And I watched it. It's just a different shitty ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, arguably, it's better. It's better than the first shitty ending, but it's still like it's garbage. It's a garbage ending. <laughs> like I said, that book has one of the best, like fuck you nihilist asshole endings of all time you know where there's there's hope but <laughs> it's not for the people that you think it would be yeah but man i just don't i just don't get how you can take a dump on the end of that book and expect anyone not to fucking flip their shit at you yeah yeah, out of, from my opinion, Last Man on Earth is still the best version of that book. Uh, I'm saying that, of course, not seeing Omega Man, but... Oh, Omega Man is the most uh, are arguably unfaithful adaptation. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've heard it's the yeah, most I'm... 70s version of I Am Legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not... I mean, don't... I wouldn't. I wouldn't go into it thinking... I am legend because it's its own yeah. animal. It's really cool though. It's just its own fucking thing. Ar- arguably the Will Smith is closer to the book than old Mega Man is. But... Did anybody see the cheesy ripoff version? I am Omega. No. Oh, Fuck the asylum. Me neither. I did not see it either, but I wanted one of you two to have sat through it. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, for, for my love of shitty movies, I fucking hate Asylum too. I think that they don't, they try to do it on purpose, and in general, when you try to make a bad movie on purpose, it, you're just asking for problems. You know, you can't you can't uh, make shit work on purpose. I don't know. It just it just you have to really commit to making a good movie and make a bad movie for it to be a good bad movie. <laughs> yeah. They stole from me, so I will never watch any of their movies ever again. So fuck them. <laughs> you hear that asylum? Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I know. They don't care. No. It would be really awesome to get a like a defamation lawsuit. We're talking shit. <laughs> You're cutting into our twenty dollars share. If the asylum sued everybody who said negative things about them on the internet, that'd be amazing. That'd be all they did. 
They'd have more lawsuits a year than Donald Trump. It would just be constant. Uh, yeah, I mean, if they were going to sue me, they would have sued me a long time ago when I was ripping them a new asshole on Twitter about about it. So, oh well. Fuck them. Did you watch anything else, Noah? Uh, I did. I also... <laughs> the thing that started me on the, uh, the, the Vincent Price train is on Comet. Uh, the greatest fucking broadcast television station ever to exist, by the way. Yes. Uh, they, they've they been playing on repeat over and over again. Uh, the, the Dr. Goldfoot in the bikini machine and Dr. Goldfoot nice. in the girl bombs. Nice. I have that on DVD. I've not watched either one of them yet. Yeah, I fucking, man, I love those movies. You got this weird, like, six-pack of Vincent Price movies at Walmart. And it was like a double feature disc of those two movies, a double feature disc of Mask of the Red Death and From a Whisper to a Scream and double feature disc of Theater of Blood and something else that I don't remember. It was all for like five dollars. And I was like, shit, yeah. Well, the the Goldfoot movies, they're so amazingly snarky. Yeah, and uh, they're so hard to describe to people too. It's so it's a James Bond movie in which there's no James Bond. There's only a James Bond villain. <laughs> that's that's what the Goldfoot movies are, and that doesn't sound very good, but it's awesome. They're not quite as. Uh, a good of a uh, parody of James Bond is maybe in like Flint is, hmm. but but they're they're awesome and they've got Vincent Price in them to carry them and it's fucking Vincent Price. Well, you just say the name of Vincent Price, I'm automatically on board. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's <laughs> it, and that's actually that's all I managed to watch. Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> Like 20, 20 movies where you say stuff like, well, then I watched Last Man on Earth and Omega Man and I watched. That's only that's only five movies and four hour long episodes of a TV show and like five to ten more episodes of Star Trek. And the two movies we already discussed for the week. They don't count. Good lord. Man, I watch a lot of fucking TV shit. <laughs> you do. I really need to cut back. Uh, um, did you watch anything, Doug? Uh, just a couple things. Both rewatches. <laughs> so, last week you said uh, that I should watch Harry Brown, or you said something about Harry Brown. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that movie. So I thought. I want to watch that. Yeah. Um, holds up really well. It's always really a good time like to watch it. that movie. Yeah. It's, I, there's this weird, like in the latter part of the 2000s, there was this weird, like, trend of movies about, like, old people who kind of, like, have one last fight in them. And it was, mm-hmm. like, this or Gran Torino, even Rocky Balboa was part of that trend. And I don't know. I seem to really enjoy those for some reason. And this one in particular, like Harry Brown, I really liked 
the way the director sets up this like kind of old English stereotypes versus new English stereotypes and just kind of pits them against each other. It's pretty obvious who he thinks the good guys are in that scenario. Yeah. And it's, but it, I mean, it's, it's when you're watching it and it's like, you're just like, Oh my God. So it's like literally like the older British guys who are putting on like a tie every time they leave the house and they like go to the pub to sit and drink a beer and play chess. And then like the stereotypical, English thugs or chavs or whatever they call them over there. And I'm just like, it, they, they really did just set up like exactly like there's two ways you can look at England and it's either that one or that one. And I'm sure maybe people who live in England see many other layers, but from the outsider's perspective, we only know about those two things and then the queen. And it's like, so it's like, she's not in it. It's just that. And I, I don't know, thought it was really neat. It holds up really well amazing performance by Michael Caine. So. Yeah, I feel like that's a movie that only works with Michael Caine. Like, even though you just, you said they did some similar movies, I feel like that movie specifically, like that character, Yeah, I just love his, he's sort of just meek and just like, you know, uh, just, let's just let's just drink a pint and play some chess, like you said. Just, uh, just ignore them. Like, they're being ridiculous. But then he talks about his time in the military and how you know, I did some shit, and when I got home, I had to sort of lock that door and throw the key away and just section yeah. it off so I could live my life. But now, like, that shit, like, the door opens again, and you can see his character, like, change when that happens. For sure, yeah. Yeah. I just love his performance. And there's, like, literally the moment where he opens up, like, the lockbox thing where he keeps his old military stuff and when he like literally opens it up and you're like oh he's literally reopening the door to that past and all that and it's yeah it's extremely well executed uh you know i'm sure there are other actors who could have done something with this role but michael kane is perfect for it um partly because like he has a history in mm-hmm. cinema and we all know him from that from those previous works but also just because he's so good and he he's he can do that subtle thing you know mm. when the the first the first person he kills in this movie he's like hammered drunk while he does it and the guy attacks him and he just sort of reacts on instinct and realizes he still has some ability to to fight back mm. and it's just like the way you see his character and it, it feels very real cuz he kind of like sobers up in the moment and realizes he has to cover up what he's done and just immediately goes to it and his brain just starts working on like a different level than it's been working on for the rest of this movie. Yeah. I, I like it a lot. And I think, yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of like the fact too, that as a vigilante story, it sort of takes place over a short period of time. So we're not led to believe that he's out there like stalking the streets forever. Like this has a definitely sort of climax where in addition to the fact that he is taking out gang members, he's also motivating the police that have been doing nothing to stop it. He's kind of ends up being the reason that they get involved and actually take steps and mm. you get your big, big fight at the end, which is not just, you know, him taking on a gang. It's more complex than that. It is the police showing up and their tactics not working the way they're hoping and all that other stuff that goes along with it. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're making me want to watch it again. So, 
I mean, yeah, I guess the downside to it would be that it does kind of glorify the whole vigilante thing. He's out there, like, just shooting people on the street, and he is just the hero of the movie. There is no, like, <laughs> there's not really a downside to what he does, which is debatable whether that should be allowable yeah. or not. I mean, they did it in Death Wish, so why not? Yeah, this is definitely this is a more well thought out movie than Death Wish. Yeah, that way. for sure. So I I have my problems with Death Wish because it, I feel like I it's trying to be something that trying to put a level of thought into it and it's failing. So it's just like, well, then just make an action movie if that's all you want. <laughs> And they did that they, with their, all their sequels. I've been led to believe. I've never seen any of them. But me neither. And I have them all now. And I was going to do that franchise project, and then I didn't. So yeah, look at that. Yeah. yeah. Good times. All right. <laughs> well, speaking of movies where uh, revenge doesn't go as planned, I also rewatched Blue Ruin. Oh, which is I need to rewatch that. I haven't watched that since I saw it the first time. I this movie came out in 2013, I think, and I would say from 2013 till now, it's probably the movie I've seen the most. It's mm. like I think I've maybe watched it six or seven times. I'm not really sure. I love it. It's fantastic. Mm. It really holds up, even where when you've watched it, you know where it's going. But have you seen this one, Noah? Uh, I actually have not. Okay. Did you, see, uh, did you ever see Green Room? Uh, you know what the funny thing is? Somebody gave me a Blu-ray of Green Room, and I still haven't watched it. I, I've okay. heard how amazing oh. it is. I don't know why I haven't sat down to watch right. it yet. Well, it's the movie the same filmmaker made like before Green Room. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's good. It's Yeah, the basic plot line is you got this guy who's like, goes to kill the guy who killed his parents after that guy gets out of jail and it's just one of these ones that just kind of it spirals downward real quick and you realize not everything is as it seems and maybe it's not as simple as you move in kill the guy and move on with your day like that's not how revenge is going to go I think they do a really good job of portraying like what would happen if somebody actually tried to do this shit right down to the fact that he cuts the shit out of his hand when he tries to like take out the other guy's uh tires because it turns out it's not that easy to just stab a tire and let all the air out the way movies <laughs> would let you believe it is um, and it's like it's one of those things I've, I've never I've always seen it in movies like they're always stabbing the tire and I always go like I'm pretty sure that wouldn't work and in this movie they go yeah that wouldn't work That's, <laughs> but this idiot thinks it would work it also has uh, some scenes in it that we're going to lift if we ever get our Gremlins Home Alone combination movie off because I love the scenes where he uh Right after he hears that the guy's out of prison, there's the great little montage of him just going back to the car he's been living in, and just you realize he's had a plan in his head this whole time, where he's got like the battery disconnected, and he hooks it back up, goes to the gas station, he saved up just enough money to fill his tank and get the air back, the tires and all that. And I'm like, I love that scene. I think it just says so much about this movie, where he's it's in silence, it's very subtle. And it's just showing, like, okay, this guy's had this guy who we've been following has this plan, and he's been planning something. This, however many years he's been living out of this car, to the point where the police know where he is. And eventually, we find out that there's a reason why the car was parked where it was, and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, really good, really subtle movie that holds up really well. Yeah, 
We should all watch it when we can do it on the show, actually. Yeah. <laughs> we do a, a, what's his name? Jeremy Selenier or whatever his name is. I do not know his name, but I'll take your word for it. We could do that or we could do like a Revenge Gone Wrong episode and team this up with oh. uh, Red. Yeah, that's a good idea. Have you seen, have you seen Red? The, yeah, you know, it's suppressing his shit. Yeah. And with but, Jack Ketchum just passing away, it's probably a good idea. Sense, yeah. That was really sad for me that Jack Ketchum passed away. I, was... I haven't read a ton of his books, but the ones I have read are just like holy shit type books. Yeah. Uh, which is off season. I think I, I listened to the audiobook of that one. Yeah. Audiobook, that'd be an interesting way to do it. <laughs> yeah. And I've seen some of the movies based on his uh, his books and stuff. So, I mean, yeah. I'm familiar enough with his stories that I was really, yeah, I was kind of bummed out too when he passed away. I went through a stage because uh, I went when The Lost came out, the movie. Um, I saw a screening of it. I actually met Jack Ketchum at the screening of it. But it was one of those ones like I didn't know who he was. I didn't had never heard of it. But I'm at this convention and there's a screening of this movie. Sure, why not, right? Mm-hmm. And I walked in and I was kind of like, like yeah, it, it 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 is like this really dark, like creepy shit that's going on throughout the movie and all that. And I'm like, oh Christ! And then I'm like, that was pretty fucking cool. And then when when people were talking about how this was a relatively well known book, I'm like, well, I'll read the book. And right away, I'm like, this writing style works for me. This sick, depraved maniac is writing stuff that this other sick, depraved maniac really wants to read. So then I just started, like, I literally went, I think, to, like, two chapters and just went to, like, the shelf and was like, okay, what else is by this guy? And I grabbed the girl next door off the shelf. Oh, I'm still too scared to watch that movie, even, let alone read the book. I will tell you this, when I read that book, and I, like, I think I've told this story on other podcasts, but I'm literally reading the book on like several occasions, I threw it. Like, I'm like, I can't, I fucking threw the book across the room, like I can't have that in my hands anymore. But it's written in such an enticing way that I would always get up and go pick it up and keep reading. <laughs> and so it's like, it is just, it is just uh, an essay on how shitty the fucking world is. And it's just constantly it's like these moments where you're like they're leading up to something and you're like they can't possibly do that though so what's going to happen that causes it to not happen and then it just fucking happens and you're just like no stop doing that to your main character <laughs> like and the, and the movie's rough too like I've again I think I've said this but the first time I watched that movie I didn't sleep that night like I literally just sat there all night going oh shit that was hard to watch yeah um which is, I mean, it's supposed, supposed to, to be. be like <laughs> yeah. So. Oof, that's um, rough. There's still, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of other Jack Catching books, too, that are quite good that are not as disturbing. One I liked mm-hmm. was called, like, Cover, I think it was called. And it was sort of reminded me of, like, First Blood, if it was told through by Jack Ketchum, about this you know, distraught Vietnam vet living on his own and ends up going to going to battle with these people who make the mistake of wandering onto his land. Um, and uh, yeah, I enjoyed that one quite a bit. So nice. sad, sad to know that there's not going to be any new ones. Yeah. Yeah. I need to check out more of his stuff. Uh, did you watch anything else? No, that's all I had time for this week. So. Uh, I only had 
two things. Um, so talking about being portrayed, being uh, betrayed by movie trailers. Uh, I watched the midnight man with Robert England and Lynn Shay. Okay. Um, so I was pretty pumped about this one. I thought it looked kind of good. Um, so it starts in the fifties and these kids are playing like one of those essentially like bloody Mary type games, but it's for the midnight man. And you have to do all this like sort of ritual stuff that, you know, you got to knock on your front door and you got to, uh, prick your finger and put like, have your name and put a drop of blood next to it and put that up on the front door and like, you know, all this stuff, whatever. (laughs) And then they're like, okay, so that means after you've done this ritual, the midnight man is in your house and then you have, you walk around with these candles. As long as your candle is lit, you're safe. But if your candle blows out, you have to, you have to relight it within 10 seconds. And then if you can't relight it within 10 seconds, you have to, um, put a circle of salt around yourself and that would keep yourself safe until you could relight your candle. Um, well, for the purposes of this movie, the midnight man is real. And so it shows them in the fifties doing this. And this girl like can't get her candle lit. She's in the circle of salt, but then she freaks out and like, you know, kicks the salt. So like the circle opens up and, you know, she just gets dragged into the darkness and, like, there's some pretty gory stuff, which I started off, like, pretty positive. I'm like, all right, this is kind of cool. Um, and then we cut to present day, where one of the kids that was playing the game uh, is now a grandma, played by Lynn Shay, who has dementia. And so her granddaughter is, like, living in this in the same house with her, like, this giant house to sort of take care of her, dealing with her weird creepy dementia ramblings um and then uh she of course is looking for something in the attic stumbles across this game which has been put in a shoebox and like you know tied up like four different times as if nobody should open it so of course that means she should she opens it <clears throat> discovers this game and then her boyfriend comes over and one of her friends or something and so they're like they decide they're gonna play it and of course, the Midnight Man shows up and starts doing horrible things. Um, starts off pretty good, but then just evolves into a pretty typical, generic uh, like uh, what was that fucking movie? Wish Upon, and like all that other really cheap like generic horror films, which I was really disappointed with. Um, Robert Englund's there as a Lynchay's doctor who has to come in the middle of the night because she like faints and has some weird spell or something. So it's just, I don't know. Turns to garbage after about the first 20 minutes of the movie. And I was really disappointed because I like Lynn Shay and I like Robert England. And sometimes these little bloody Mary type scenarios, I think can work decently, but, uh, yeah, it just does not work in this one whatsoever. Um, it's unfortunate because I was kind of thinking about watching that one. But. Yeah, it's just like logistics in the movie, like character motivations and stuff, like just make no sense. And then, like other shit within it makes no. It just it's garbage. And the Midnight Man, who starts out pretty creepy, is like laughable by the end of the movie, which sucks. 
disappointing. Well, th- thanks for taking the hit, so I don't have to watch it now. Yeah. I know. I was excited. I popped myself a bowl of popcorn. You know, rented it for seven bucks off Voodoo. Enjoyed myself. You know, like, oh, this is going to be great. And then just wet fart. Um, and then the only other thing I watched, I went to the theater and saw I, Tanya, Okay. Uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, it's a lot funnier than I thought it was going to be. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know why. I thought, I don't know. Maybe I thought they were going to try to do like a serious biopic, but they don't. <laughs> yeah, no. That's thrown right out the window. There's lots of like fourth wall breaking and stuff where shit's happening and she'll just look directly into the camera and say some snarky comment or something. Sort of the uh, the Kevin Spacey effect from House of Cards. Okay. Just, you know, some snarky comment to the audience. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I loved it. I thought it, it was really funny. Um, they even get to uh, the point of telling what they describe in the movie as the incident and cut to because apparently like this film is based off of a series of interviews that everybody in the movie did like after like when they were catching up like with where are they now type stuff um to the point that they show you clips from at least one of the interviews in the end credits and it's like oh holy shit yeah they were just taking that section right out of this interview um so we get to the point where it describes where they're going to start talking about the incident and you cut to, you know, Ta- Margot Robbie's Tanya Harding sitting there and she's like, well, here it is. This is what you all came to see. Like just making a big, like, you know, sort of almost a joke out of it. Um, yeah. And uh, I didn't realize uh, Sebastian Stan was playing Jeff Galuli, who is uh, the Winter Soldier in the Marvel movies. Yeah. So when he popped up, I was just like, wait, what? Winter Soldier's playing Jeff Galuli? This is awesome. <laughs> and then sort of his current day interview, he uh literally says, like, yeah, you know, it was a rough time back then and and you know, and I just cannot apologize enough for that mustache that I had. Yeah, because <laughs> that's where the problem is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was, it's, I don't know. It's a lot of fun. Like the whole situation is just comical and weird. And uh, to the point there's like bumbling, like, uh, like the guys who actually pull off the smacking Nancy Kerrigan across the knee are just like bumbling idiots. Yeah. And yeah, uh, thoroughly enjoyable. The only thing which I don't even know. I'm not even going to mention it. There's one thing that bugged me and it's only because I knew about it going in. So when I watched it, I'm like, Oh yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. I fucking hate that. Um, so I'm not even going to say what it was. So other people don't have it on the brain if they end up going to watch it. Um, yeah, it was good. A lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Well, it sounds like that's like way better. Like I thought that was one I was going to check out just out of curiosity one day. Like, yeah, it shows up on Netflix or wherever. But it sounds like you're actually saying it. It's worth tracking down. Yeah, yeah, I had a good time watching it. Uh, Amanda went; she really enjoyed it. Um, I was afraid, like I said, I was afraid it was going to be, like I said, a straight up biopic. 
So I thought they were going to take the thing like super serious. And I think having this much distance from it, you just look back on it and you're like, oh, that was not a serious situation. Like that sucks for Nancy Kerrigan getting smacked in the knee. I'm sure that fucking sucked. Yeah, it's a serious incident for her, but the amount of media attention it got yeah. was just like, oh, this really doesn't affect that many people. No. And it's just the whole thing, like the series of events is ridiculous. And so it's okay to have a movie that plays that up for comedy rather than like a super serious like biopic about it. And I think it totally works uh, for this movie. So definitely worth checking out. Everybody did a, an awesome job. So uh, I think it was Allison Janney got a Golden Globe for her performance as Tanya Harding's mom, which I would say is well-deserved. Um, and the funny thing is she does this interview because they, they, they sort of recreate the interviews and use those as interstitials throughout the, the movie. Um, so she's doing this interview and she has a parrot like on her shoulder and she's wearing this fur coat, has this parrot on her shoulder. She has like an oxygen tube. So it's got the little tubes that go up into her nose and the bird is sitting there like pulling on that tube the whole time. And she's getting mad at it, like in her interview and stuff. So she's saying stuff, and then we'll like, stop it, stop it. And I'm just like, oh man, like she created this character. Like, this is tons of fun. But then, like I said, during the end credits, they show footage from the actual interview that they're recreating. And this lady literally has a parrot sitting on her shoulder, pulling on her oxygen tube the entire time. And I'm like, that's real life. And they just made it this weird quirky thing in this movie like it shouldn't exist like that should be fake but it's not (laughs) the whole scenario kind of be described that way though like that whole incident is just one of those things where you're just like the fuck like (laughs) why is that happening in the real world like it doesn't seem like it should yeah it's it's always weird whenever the true facts of a situation are the punchlines of the joke of the situation. Yeah. Like, you didn't have to add anything to it. It was all fucking ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, And you'll like this, Doug. I I think this is what's going to sell you on the movie, which I'm going to say this, and I'm almost wondering if next week you're going to be like, so I went and saw I, Tanya. Um, It has a Rocky IV workout montage in it awesome (laughs) but it's literally to the point that again they are breaking the fourth wall by having her coach look at the audience and say yeah she's training like because it shows her like running with like a bag of dog food on her shoulders and she's like well well if it worked for worked for rocky and rocky four or worked for rocky to fight the russians it'll work for me and then it cuts to her coach, like, watching her work out. Like, she's flipping a log, like, end over end. <laughs> and her her coach literally looks at the audience and says, by the way, she actually did this. And then it cuts to her doing something else, like, ridiculous, like, Rocky Four style workout. And, and she's like, and this. It just keeps going to all these exercises. That apparently she did in real life, but it's like set to like a Rocky Four montage <laughs> with the coach letting you know, no, this is this is true life. We took this from true life, but it is a Rocky Four montage, so enjoy. 
That's insane. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I need to see it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, definitely recommend. Man, when I started talking about this movie, I was like, "Yeah, I enjoyed it." But now that I remembered the Rocky Four montage, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, and that's all I watched. So, all right. <laughs> does anybody else have anything before we move on? No, did you forget like 50 movies that you watched and forgot to talk about? Got the job now. I got time. (laughs) All right. Although, my Planet of the Apes Blu-ray has been column to me. (laughs) That's a long watch. So, is that the the Legacy Collection? Uh, It's the... It's got like all five of the movies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got all five. Of the, it's got all five of the movies, and then the uh, the season of the TV show. Okay, yeah, that's what I figured. So next week's going to be Planet of the Apes week for Noah. Possibly. <laughs> well, we know if you, we know what happens if he watches the first thirty seconds of the first movie. That means yeah. he's got to watch all of them. Pretty much. So. And I bet Shar loves those days, doesn't she? I try. I try not to drag her into my fucking madness. I guess that's what we should talk about. You made Shar watch Deathstalker and Yor. How did that go over? <laughs> so Yor, she enjoyed because it was you know silly and ridiculous. Deathstalker, like I tried to like warn her beforehand. I was like, listen, <laughs> this is. This is going to be gross from your perspective. <laughs> just, uh, just bear with me. And of course, she's sitting there through the whole thing, like, "What is going on?" <laughs> and for those of us who don't know her personally, is she against rape? Is that what you're getting? At? <laughs> <laughs> he is against that. Uh, the best. Right. The best thing is, is she doesn't particularly like movies with a ton of like gratuitous uh, sexual stuff in them. She doesn't like movies with blood and guts in them. And so you're just a dick. Like, That's what I'm hearing is you're a dick. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> but she did she just let her go to bed. She basically at one point she goes, "There really is a lot of rape in this movie," and I was like, "Yeah." Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right, so Noah, why don't you clue everybody what we're doing next episode? Uh, we are doing the Labyrinth and Dark Crystal. So, it's a, it's Skeksis, our Jim Henson episode, Skeksis and David Bowie's. Uh, incredibly detailed spandex clad penis. <laughs> uh, so this is somewhat related, but not really. Um, so after we got done recording our podcast last night, I just turned on MTV classic that had like eighties music videos playing and word up by cameo was on. And of course he had a giant red, like vinyl cod piece in it. And Amanda's like, why Why is that like a cup? Like, I don't even know. I'm like, that's a cod piece. She's like, it's a cock piece? I'm like, no, no, no. It's a cod piece. She's like, why is it called a cod piece? I'm like, I have no idea. Yeah. I'm like, knights at it. I, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. So she was fascinated by the fact that it's called a cod piece. 
And then I'm like, yeah, but I mean, look at all the Batman movies. They had, you know, they had, they, they all had cod pieces. So she was like obsessed with this idea of why it's called a cod piece. <laughs> but then neither one of us really wanted to like look it up on Wikipedia. So we just tried to like figure out why with our minds and we didn't come up with any good explanations. I, I think it's better that way. I mean, I don't think knowing is going to be that satisfactory for you. No. So it think, might be an awesome story about why it's cod feeds, but there's probably not. <laughs> so I have to say thank you, Cameo, for uh, causing us to have a half-hour conversation that could have been solved in a 30-second Wikipedia search. <sighs> I just hope I can sleep tonight without looking it up. <laughs> I'm going to be 100% honest. I know the answer to the question. Oh, yeah? For Christ's sakes, of course you do. Do you want to tell us? Uh, from what I was told many, many a moon ago is that in Old English, cod means scrotum. Oh. Like, no no shit. A cod piece literally means scrotum armor. It's 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 testicle shielding. So if I go to a fish market in England and order some cod what am I going to end up with? Uh, hopefully delicious fish <laughs> and, and not That's rubbery scrotum. fried scrotum. <laughs> yeah, Wikipedia confirms the scrotum <laughs> issue. Uh, I can't wait to go upstairs to tell her now. Good news. It just means, it just means ball protector. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it literally. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's essentially jock strap. I mean, <laughs> Which is, I mean, fair enough. It's <laughs> although cod piece is much classier. I might have been into sports if they told me I got to wear a cod piece. <laughs> it probably, it probably was not the uh, the classy word for it when they started using it. It's just one of those things that because the British said it, we all assumed it was classy. <sighs> Anything said in British accent is classy. Uh, it depends on which British accent. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I bet you, if one of us was good at doing British accents, we could prove that wrong. But I was, I was going to say, there's a big difference between that that very uh, uh, sophisticated sounding highbrow British accent and the oh, I'll call, call base. Yeah, I guess I should watch Clockwork Orange and. Figure out why they're all wearing cod pieces too. Biddy, <laughs> oh, uh, thee well, my brother. Biddy thee well. Things always get weird towards the end. You guys notice that? Yeah, it's because we need a good weird thing to go out on. Okay. Which now this is going to be it because I've had to explain it. So. <laughs> good night. <laughs> Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.